0: So I'm thinking of, you know, this series. I'm, I'm so excited about this series because just think about miracle and miracles that happen. If you read the Bible, there are tons of miracles that Jesus did and miracles that happen throughout time, miracles that still happen today. But the moment we think about miracles, we think about healing. We think about, uh, you know, people rising from the grave, which that's, yeah, that's good stuff. But there's also miracles of change when miracles take place. And for the next couple of weeks, up until November 23rd, I believe, which is going to be our uh, worship night, we're going to be checking out and sifting through the different miracles that Jesus performed. And then we're going to see, how does that apply to our lives? Every single one of us, as Pastor Ben said, are, are a walking miracle. Every single person has a story of their life and something that, that God has done. Maybe, maybe it's a, uh, something that took place long ago that that brought you closer to God, or it, it kind of woke you up and said, "Man, I got I got to get on track with with who I am in God." And and maybe you didn't grow up in a religious home or a home that attended church, and maybe now you're you're at an age where you can say, "You know, I can make a decision. I can choose for myself to trust in God and put my faith in Him." And so we're all at different places, but God is the one that never changes. But he brings change. He's the one that came to us. The Bible says, for God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whoever believes in him would not perish but have everlasting life. So God sent his son Jesus from a perfect place to a place like this, earth. We know what our, what our world is like. I'm getting phone calls, text messages, even uh, emails, people asking me, who do i vote for that's what they're asking like who who do i vote for i don't want to vote anymore i'm just going to vote for nobody i'm like listen think it through and so i'm i'm actually putting together 10 commandments of voting and i'll probably bring it out on sunday because we're, we we're praying through this but i thought yeah we live in a world of pain suffering evil violence that's the world we live in we have anger we have we have anger in our hearts we we have we have evil intentions in our hearts that's the heart of the human being we're just like that it's in us so we need a savior because we have this inside of us our thoughts go astray our actions go astray our hearts are evil and and is darkened so god says i want to i want to help you in this because i see a, i see such potential in you i want to i want to show you what a miracle is really all about to sum it up, a miracle can best be described as something only God can do. If we look throughout the miracles, and we're going to do that in the uh, upcoming weeks, we're going to look at the miracles that Jesus performed. There's one miracle that stands out among them all. And it, it's not because it was some great miracle. It was because this was Jesus' first miracle. And some of you know what it was. It was turning water into Wine. Now, I know some of you are like, "Oh, if, if I could do that, turn like water into wine, I would open one business and uh, oh, I could I could make some some good some good money, or 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 maybe maybe I would I would use it for good, whatever it would be. All we know is this is Jesus's first miracle, and there's a reason why he turned water into wine. There was no mistake that it was water into wine. It was no mistake that this was his first miracle. And we're going to learn about that. See, when Jesus came to this earth, he walked this earth, earth for about 30 years, and then he began his public ministry. That's it. For three years, really, for three years, Jesus was doing ministry publicly. And in three years, he changed the course of history for eternity. There are certain men and women in our, in our day and age that they will change the course of history for our world for a certain season and and maybe even longer. But Jesus changed the course of history, the trajectory of our life for eternity. We were lost without God. Jesus came and set it straight so that we could find our way back to God. He came to this place to set us free from our sins. I was at this coffee shop and after I was done eating, I, I cleaned up the things that were on my table and I threw everything away. And then I was uh, cleaning up and putting my my things away. And then I thought, "Hey, where's my pen?" And it's a really good pen. You know, some of you are like your pen fanatics. Like somebody takes that one good pen of yours, you go crazy at work. Like, who took my pen? Somebody took my pen. And you start searching everybody's. Like, hey, what, what pen are you writing with? Was oh, what color of your pen? Blue. Let me see the other side. Okay, Can make sure that's not. What, let's see it again. Okay, like you just <laughs> you're like pen policemen. You're just making sure that nobody take your pen. So I have this really good pen. And so I can't find it. So it dawns on me. Wait a minute, I cleaned everything up and I threw it away in the trash. Now I had to I had to think this through because I would never in my life. Yeah, some of you know me, you're like, don't tell me you went in the trash. No, I did not. I had the worker do that. So I, <laughs> I went to the worker and I said, I said, um, and he's my friend. That's why you make friends at coffee shops, just in case your pen falls in the rubbish. I said, hey, how you doing? Good day. Yeah, good day. No, 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 no. Okay. Uh, hey, can you do me a favor? He says, yeah. You can check. <laughs> you can check something for me, please. And, and he's like, yeah, yeah, what's up? I was like, you, you know your trash can? He's like, yeah, 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 yeah. Um, I think my pen is in there. He's like, no way. I said, yeah, tra- you can check if my pen's inside. And he's like, yeah, 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 I can can check. And and so he he looks in, and I'm looking in too, and I see it. And so I'm thinking, like, I'm going to get him or you you can get him? Like, we we both see it. That's my pen. But I didn't ask him to get it because I I don't want to ask him to get it because that's not manly. So I thought, you know what? I had to assess this. Now, this is happening in a split second, okay? I'm just slowing down time to let you know the thought process. I see the pen. It didn't touch anything. It didn't touch anything. It was only my cup in there and then some napkins and it didn't touch anything and it's sticking up. And so I looked at him, I was like, No worry, bro, I get him. And so I, I grabbed it and I picked it up and it, it didn't touch anything. Miracle, miracle. Never touched nothing. I was like, thank you, God. Thank you. Never had like gross stuff in there, and you know, it was it was good. And when I when I got my pen, as I was walking out, I thought, I have so many other pens. I have have a lot of pens. People give me pens. People forget about pens. We accidentally take people's pens. We we have pens. But for some reason, that pen was so valuable that I was willing, as someone who does not like going into the trash or likes things clean, was willing to go into the trash for something that valuable. Now listen very carefully. That's what Jesus did when he came to this earth for you and I. He, He didn't care about how how messy life was going to be for him. He knew he was going to die on the cross. He knew he was going to die a painful death. But there was something so valuable that he said, I am not even giving it a second thought. And he came to this earth so that we could have eternal life with him. And so when he rescued us from the rubbish, from the pit, he said, now you're with me forever. So by the time Jesus starts his public ministry, he already knows what's going on. He knows, he knows the plan. He knows what's going to happen. But people didn't. When he started his public ministry, people were wondering, what is he doing? Like, who is this guy? Why is it that when he speaks, we can understand? Why is it when, when he says certain things, it touches our heart? So now people are in three different categories. Some people loved him. Some people were skeptical about him. And then there were people who hated him. But they they were in one of those categories. In the book of John chapter 2, if you want to turn there in your Bibles, you can do so. John chapter 2. If not, I'll read the story to us. This is where Jesus does something that people were amazed at for the first time. I'll read from verse 1. This is when Jesus changes water into wine. It says, on the third day, and the reason why it says on the third day is, if you think about the days of the week, Sunday, Monday, Tuesday, right? Tuesday, on the third day. When God created the heavens and the earth, it was the third day that God said it is good twice. That's the only day. So in that time in in our Bible days, they were referring to Tuesday, the third day, as like a double blessing. So they would get married on that Tuesday. And it wasn't called Tuesday because we follow the Gregorian calendar, right? It it wasn't uh, the Jews who called it Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday. It was the Greeks and the Romans who—Rome. Romans who called it that. So they just called it the third day. But they looked at it as a double blessing. It was a double blessing. So this wedding is taking place on this third day at Cana in Galilee. Jesus' mother was there, and Jesus and his disciples had also been invited to the wedding. When the wine was gone, Jesus' mother said to him, they have no more wine. Now, when we have a wedding and we celebrate, we celebrate for a couple of hours, right? Right? These guys celebrated for one week, seven days. That was their celebration. Imagine that. We're tired after one party. We're like, "Yeah, hey, everybody, go home already. Like, we're tired. We got to clean up. These guys were doing this for seven days. So you, you better had enough food and wine because water was not too good. They didn't have water filtration systems like we do. They, they were in the desert. So wine was something that they drank often. And it's not the wine like we know of. They had the wine that was fermented or it turned into alcohol. But it was more like grape juice. And I'll get into that, why it was uh, like that. But this wedding went on for seven days, the celebration. So if you were to run out of food and wine, that's like shame, embarrassment, dishonor on your family. So he says, she says to Jesus, they have no more wine and Jesus, this is what the Bible says. and This is Jesus' words. He said, woman, why do you involve me? Jesus replied, my hour has not yet come. Now, Jesus wasn't being disrespectful to his mom. He wasn't, he wasn't being, uh, you know, condescending. He was addressing an issue. He was saying, listen, my hour has not yet come. He's saying, there's so much that I'm going to be doing. We're not, we're not there yet. But then his mother said to the servants, do whatever he tells you. Now, let's let's just pause for a moment, this situation right here. Something so small, they ran out of wine. And so Mary, the mother of Jesus, says to the disciples and Jesus' brothers, whatever he tells you to do, go do it. In other words, be faithful in what he's going to ask you. And at that time, when the disciples and Jesus' brothers were going to do what was about to be done, they didn't know a miracle was going to take place. They just they just stayed faithful to what Jesus asked them to do. And it's actually the principle that Jesus said, if you're faithful in little, I will also make you faithful in much. And so he, the mom just says, just whatever he tells you to do, go do it. Nearby, in verse 6, nearby stood six stone water jars, the kind used by the Jews for ceremonial washing, each holding from 20 to 30 gallons. Okay, you got to remember that, 20 to 30 gallons. And this, this uh, jars used for ceremonial, ceremonial washing, uh, they had different ceremonies that they would wash for. Uh, the priest would wash for uh, their worship to God, the temple worship. They would also have ceremonial washings before marriage, and that would prepare them for marriage. And so they had these water jars. And then in verse 7, Jesus said to the servants, Fill the jars with water. So they filled them to the brim. Filled them to the brim. Then he told them, now draw some out and take it to the master of the banquet. They did so, and the master of the banquet tasted the water that had been turned into wine. He did not realize where it had come from, though the servants who had drawn the water knew. Then he called the bridegroom aside and said, Everyone brings out the choice wine first and then the cheaper wine after the guests have had too much to drink. But you have saved the best till now. What Jesus did here in Cana of Galilee was the first of the signs through which he revealed his glory and his disciples believed in him. After this, he went down to Capernaum with his mother and brothers and his disciples. There they stayed for a few days. So Jesus does this miracle. No one knows what's happening. It almost seems like a quick magic trick when you read it. Like, okay, there was water in these jars. Jesus says, take some of this water that had been turned into wine and go give it to the master of ceremonies. He tasted and says, where, how is this even possible? You saved the best for last. It was at that point that they started to believe in Jesus because the miracle wasn't, wasn't the fact that water was turned into wine. Think about it. Now, if, let's just say we were to pull this off. 20 to 30 gallons, first of all, that's, that's big water pots, okay? 20 to 30 gallons. Uh, a gallon of water weighs about, what, 7 pounds maybe? So if you had 30 gallons, that's 210 pounds around there. Is that my math? Math correct? Mathematicians? 210. Okay, so 210 pounds. They got to carry this thing. It's not like they had a hose. There's no water delivery service. Like beep, 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 back them up, back them up. They they could not do that. It's 20 to 30 gallons of water. They have to fill this thing up. And then somehow it turns into wine somewhere in the whole process. So when Jesus tells them to fill this to the brim, He he actually uses that word brim. And there are a couple places that this word brim is used for. One is when they were crossing the Jordan River long before Jesus came to this earth, when they were entering the promised land, the Jews were entering the promised land, the Israelites, they were entering the promised land. They came across the Jordan River. The Jordan River was at its brim. It was overflowing. So when they came to the Jordan River, remember that God said to Joshua, take the priests, 12 tribes, the leaders, and step foot into the brim of the water, the overflowing of the water. When that happens, I will stop the rivers upstream and you'll be able to walk across dry land. And so that's what they did. They touched the waters and the river got stopped up. Arabian historians actually found out that there was a landslide that happened Upstream about 1276 A.D., so roughly around that time. There's archaeological facts and ge- geological, geographical uh, mapping that shows that that's what took place. And so God did something so that the waters would be piled up. They could walk across dry land. When the Jordan River is at its fullest, when, they, when it was overflowing, or that word brim to where it's overflowing, that was during harvest season. And so it's like Jesus was telling them, listen, fill it to the brim because it's harvest season. There's, there's going to be a miracle that I'm going to do. The water into wine is just a symbol of what's going to take place. But I'm here for the harvest. That's, this is our year as a, a church that God gave us that word for 2016. It is a year of harvest that many will come to know him as Lord and Savior. So Jesus uses that word brim. The other place that is used is when Solomon was building the temple. Solomon, King Solomon, King David's son. King David is a man known as a man after God's own heart. That's what he's recognized as. Yeah, David did some things. He he sinned. He he did some evil things. He repented and he turned. And when he was going to build the Lord's temple, God says there's too much bloodshed in your life, so your son is going to build it. However, David, can you collect all the materials necessary for the building up of the temple? So David does that. And different times when I mean, they did battles and raids, they would, they would uh, wipe out villages because they were doing evil things against God. But the spoils they took. And from the spoils they had a lot of bronze. From this bronze given to his son Solomon, David passes on, Solomon builds the temple. They use this bronze and they melt it together to make what is called the brazen sea. And it's this big, uh, like a big bowl. It's about 15 feet in diameter, 30 feet in circumference, 30 feet around, about seven and a half feet high. And they would fill that with water to the brim, from brim to brim. They would make sure that it's filled up so that they could do ceremonial washing. And that was used as a part of worship to God. But that word brazen, or in some other versions, uh, they would use the word molten. They took all the different bronze spoils that they would have from different places, and some would be beaten up, some would be, would be brand new, some would be old and not useful. But they brought all of that together to make one big thing to be used for God. And, and I don't think it's by any mistake that Jesus used that word brim to liken it to this molten bowl because aren't we all like that? We're all battled, scarred, bruised, and, and almost, almost like different. But put together, we can be used for God. Put together, molded and shaped by God, we can do great things for him. And this bronze sea was a symbol of bringing all these different bronze materials together, just as how God brings all of us together making up the body of Christ. We all have battles. We all have scars. We all have some, some, some scrapes and some, some hits in our lives. But God says, no, I can mold you and shape you. He's the potter. We are the clay, and I can mold you and shape you. So Jesus uses these jars just to let us know that we are all earthen vessels. We are all jars of clay, some broken, some with a little chip-cracked, maybe a little bit used up and, and torn and, and beaten a little bit, and we got some scars. And God says, I can heal you, and I can work miracles in your life, and I can use you for my glory so that you can be worship unto me. It's amazing how God does that. And so Jesus is, is saying all these things, these certain words, and the people are catching little things here and there because they understand the worship that, that they do for God. And when Jesus uses this word, brim, he's saying, let this, when you pour water into this, let it overflow. Because that's what he wants to do with us. He wants to pour into our lives so that we can overflow into the lives of others. I think whenever we think of God, that we, we should never think of it as, what did I do wrong? But Lord, what do you, you want to do right in my life, with my wrong. What do you want to do in this earthen vessel, this jar of clay? I may be 20 gallons, maybe 30 gallons, but you can do something with me. You can do something with this life. May I be faithful in the little Lord so that you can do much in my life. See, Jesus will always have the best in mind for you and I. He will always have the best in mind. You know when he said... uh, when, when the master of ceremony said, "Hey, hang on, and you, 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 you saved the best for last. You saved the best wine for last. That word, the best wine, was, wasn't about it tasting so good. That phrase, best wine, was actually referring to when they would pick the grapes from the vine and they would put them in crates. When they would stack the crates up, it would hit the crate below. When it crushed the grapes below, it would let out the first juices of that grape fresh from the vine. That was the best wine. It's actually grape juice. It was the best of the best. And that, because it's right off of the vine, it's fresh. And so here's the miracle the miracle wasn't turning water into wine, the miracle was there was a complete change from the water components and the chemical makeup of water to now a different chemical makeup component of wine. Best wine. See, we could get away with turning water into wine by making by by like hiding wine somewhere, and then when no one's looking, just, ah, fill them up, fill them up, fill them up. Just go, 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 go. It wouldn't be the best wine. It, it wouldn't. It wouldn't. We could get away with that. But the miracle was that this was how, how. They're thinking. How can this be? How can thirty gallons of that best wine happen right now? Where's the vineyard? Where would you get these fresh grapes from? How is this even happening? This is impossible. There's no way that this can be best wine. There's no way that you guys could have hid something and, and then poured into this and then make this happen. Something happened. What happened? The disciples knew what happened. No one else knew what happened. The disciples knew what happened. And they believed because he turned water into wine, best wine. The miracle that took place, nobody really recognized but the disciples did. And they believed. Here's what the Lord would want us to understand. He has the best in mind for us. He will always have the best in mind. We can get away with certain things. We can, we can behave well. We can... We can do a, a, put on a good show. We can do those things. We can have a good outlook, a, a nice facade. But Jesus doesn't want to change our outlook of life and, and have a nice facade. He says, no, I want to change the very component of you from something that was to something that is. It's completely different. There's a, a complete different change. It's not, okay, now i got to behave because I believe in God. He's saying, no, a miracle is going to take place in your life. You're no longer going to be the same person. You're going to be different. You're now going from old to new. That now this is a brand new life, the best life. You will take this life over that life, any day, and people will recognize it. They will say something. Wait, what, what just happened? Something, something changed. It's, it's. It, this is the best. Usually it happens like this, but for some reason in your life it's happening like this. For some reason it, uh, they save the junk stuff for last, but you saved. The best for last. This is what Jesus does. This is, he, he, the Bible says he goes from glory to glory. With Jesus, it only gets better. That's, that's how he operates. That's, that's just who he is as a God. He only gets better and better and better. And he takes us from where we were to where we can be. He says there's a complete change. That's why it's called a miracle. We are no longer the old person. 2 Corinthians 5.17 says, The old has passed away. Behold, all things are new. Brand new. It's brand new. Now, when we were growing up, we had brand new clothes. We thought it was brand new, but it was from Goodwill. It was from the thrift shop. It was from garage sale. I was like, oh, brand new shirt. Brand new shirt. It wasn't brand new. It's brand new to me. But it was an old shirt, recycled for me, God says, no, it's, a, it's brand new, manufactured for you, a new life, a new heart, a new thought process, a new life. I can give that to you. It's called a miracle. There's only one thing stopping this miracle. And it's actually in where we read, when his mother said to the servants, do whatever he tells you, the miracle could have been stopped right there. In this way, when Jesus said what sounded insignificant and meaningless, as well as impossible. You want us to carry what? 210 pounds of water. How much of us get? Get six water jars? Get 12 of us, maybe? Six, two of us, we got to carry. You know how awkward that is? There's no, there's no like crate we can put it on and kind of wield it. We can't. They had to just move into action. And they didn't question. They just, okay, wait, whatever he says, let's let's just do this. The miracle stops when we think of what Jesus is asking us to do is insignificant, meaningless, and hard to do. He says, the miracle is right around the corner. When the miracle happens, everything else that just took place, as hard as it was, as insignificant as it sounded, and as meaningless as it seemed, will pale into comparison to the miracle that's about to take place. You won't even remember that. They always say in the NFL when you score a touchdown, the pain goes away. And when you win, pain free. Oh, they hurt the next day, but boy, when they win, pain free. So that's that's the miracle that Jesus provides for us. He's saying here, here's the process, but when the miracle hits, you, all of that is that's so small. It's it's worth it. When your marriage is is at this place, you're gonna look at all the sacrifices you made, all the all the changes that I made in your life, and the times where you asked for forgiveness the times where you made sacrifices you put this on the side for your family you spent time with them you you sacrificed for this you're going to look at where you are you're going to say this is so worth it because my marriage is here this is where I want to be lord well then a miracle is going to have to take place you can even look at your finances and say I want to be here but I want to I want to get these things and god says you make this sacrifice here this is where i want to take you it's it, you you just It's your choice. I have it ready for you. I'm the miracle maker, but you're the miracle breaker. It's up to you, it's your choice. And so, when Jesus presents this, they obey. Whatever he tells you to do, do it. That's what Jesus' mom said. Moms know things, they do. We were at Walmart coming out and, uh, or going into Walmart, and there was this this mom and child coming out. And I've said this before, but coming out of the store, and this kid is screaming at the mom, maybe three years old. And the mom is like, it's okay. just It's okay. We're going to go to the car. I got you that already. And just talking, the kid is just screaming at the mom, hitting her hand. And and as we're walking, I'm thinking, oh, no, what is Heidi going to say? And so as we're walking by, she walks up to the mom and the child. And looks at the towns and to the little kid and says, Hey, listen to your mother." And the kid is like, Looks at his mom, and the mom looks at him, smiles, looks at Heidi, and says, Thank you. And and the kid was fine, perfect. I'm like, that's moms. Moms, moms know what's going on. They they know what is happening. And when Jesus' mom said what she said, she knew something. Now, remember, Mary was visited by the Lord of hosts and said to Mary, you will be with child. The Holy Spirit will overshadow you. And then Mary said, let it be done unto me, your maidservant, as you have said. Mary knew what needed to be done for miracles to take place. So she's not just speaking out of thin air. She's speaking from life experience. Now, listen. You and I, who know Jesus Christ, are now those who are like Mary, understand what it means to be a walking miracle, to see miracles take place. God changed our lives. He did something. So now it's our turn to now bring that to other people and bring that best wine. In the book of John, chapter 5, we... Read about Jesus being called something. John chapter five Verse fifteen. And excuse me, I'm sorry, John chapter fifteen. It's only ten chapters. Small little mistake. Jesus says this. He says, I am the true vine, and my Father, he is the gardener. He cuts off every branch in me that bears no fruit, while every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes. Pruning doesn't feel good. Okay? It's, it's cutting off these branches. He prunes so that it will be even more fruitful. You are already clean because of the word I have spoken to you. Remain in me as I also remain in you. No branch can bear fruit by itself. It must remain in the vine. Neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me. And in verse 5, he says, I am the vine. You are the branches. If you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. See, we're, we're, we're those grapes, the fruit that Jesus says you're going to bear fruit, fresh from the vineyard, from him being the vine. And he says, you're the miracle. You're, you're going to be that to the world. And people see your life, they're going to say, whoa, you, this, this is the best I've ever seen in your life. It's the best. And all we can say is, Jesus did things in my life, and this is where he brought me to, the best of the best. In the book of Corinthians, 1 Corinthians, Chapter 11, this is when Paul the Apostle, who understood that change, Paul the Apostle, if you're reading with us in our Bible in the book of Acts, Paul the Apostle goes through this major conversion, and now he's living his life for Jesus. Jesus has already died and rose from the grave, but Peter encounters Jesus in his resurrected form, and now Paul's life is completely different. He was Saul, but now his name changed to Paul. And Paul is... is Receiving what we call communion, taking communion, the cup and the, the bread. Jesus did this with, the, with his disciples to remind them of every time they do this to remember me. Jesus broke bread signifying that this is my body which is broken for you. Do this in remembrance of me. And then he took the cup after supper saying, this cup is the new covenant written in my blood. This do as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. And Paul the Apostle was doing this years after Christ had died and was raised from the grave. And we receive communion every now and then also in this church to remind us of what Jesus has done. But what Jesus was doing at that time of communion, which was the Passover, the Passover feast. Remember now, the Passover feast was so that we could be reminded of when the angel of death passed over the Israelites, And they sprinkled the lamb's blood over their doorposts that kept them safe. We've got to remember that that's what the Passover signifies, the blood of the lamb. What Jesus was saying is, here's the new covenant. It's in my blood. He used wine to signify his blood, the washing away of our sins. What does the water signify? Now, remember when Jesus was on the cross and he died, they said, how can he be dead? It's... the other two that were, were executed beside him, they're not dead yet, so they broke their bones. Remember the Romans? They broke their bones so that they would die quicker. But when they came to Jesus, they were just about to break his bones, his feet, so that he would suffer more and die quicker. But they said he's already, he already died. The reason for that is because Jesus gave up his life for you and I. Even though we say it in the context of they put him on the cross, the Bible says Jesus willingfully, gave up his life for you and I. And so when they came to him, they were going to break his bones. It actually, it actually fulfilled Bible prophecy that says not a bone in his body will be broken, although he'll be crucified. But then it also says a spear, a spear, he was pierced for our transgressions. So to make sure he was dead, they pierced a spear on his side. And then when they took out the spear, remember what came out? Water and blood. See, water signified washing the ceremonial washings. It's like cleansing so that we could be righteous before God, holy before God. But we couldn't do it on our own. No, no ceremonial act got us right before God. But then Jesus said, hang on, I, I will shed my blood for you because the life of anyone is in the blood. So Jesus says, I'm going to shed my blood for you for the atonement, the remission of sin, for the covering, the payment of sin. I'm going to wash away everything make you brand new so that you could stand righteous before me. The water and the blood signifying the water and the wine. See, the miracle that takes place, it's not just a, a simple change. It's something that Jesus planned long before you and I were born. He had it planned accordingly, that this is how it was going to take place. That first miracle that he did was just, it wasn't just any miracle to make something happen. He did that on purpose, and his first miracle invites us to our first banquet with Christ when we meet him one day in heaven. We read in the book of Revelation, we sit down with Jesus. That's what the Bible says. We all are invited to the marriage feast of the Lamb, of Christ, the Savior, the King. In other words, What Jesus was preparing long ago, his first miracle, he was preparing for us when we enter into heaven with him because we're going to sit with him at the marriage feast. That's why the body of Christ, the church, is called the bride of Christ. That that ceremonial washing that took place before marriage happened here on this earth is what is happening right now with who God has called us to be. That he's doing something in our hearts. Let him do it. Let him do that, whatever he's going to do. whatever he asks you to do, do it, because a miracle is about to happen. And one day when we sit with him, the marriage feast, everything will make sense. But until then, let's continue to walk in this miracle that he provides for us. We're all miracles, only because that's what he does. Amen. you bow your heads with me as we close in prayer. Lord, it is by no mistake that we're here tonight hearing your voice, understanding that miracles that took place wasn't just for the sake of a cool thing or turning water into wine or, or that they ran out of a drink. But you, you do everything on purpose with purpose. And you remind us that there is a complete change when it comes to the miracle that you perform in our life, from going from the old person to the new person, from dying dying to our old self and living for this new life that you have given to us. And so it's tonight, Lord, that we once again say thank you for changing us from glory to glory. Make us brand new, Lord. Change our hearts so that we're more like you. Change our thoughts so that we think like you change our actions so we do what you do so that when you ask us to do something, we do it, even though it seems small or insignificant or difficult or meaningless. If we're faithful in the little, then we'll be faithful in much, much more. And so I pray for all of us tonight, Lord, that we'll be miracles that continue to walk this earth, overflowing so that other people can find you and find hope. And if you're here tonight and you say, Lord, I am that miracle. I want to do what you ask me to do. Give me the strength and power to do so. I put my trust in you, and I just want to rededicate my heart to you tonight. If that's you, would you just lift a hand? And you are saying, I just want to rededicate my heart to you tonight, Lord. Yep, that's, awesome. that's all of us, Lord. We, we, we want to walk in your ways. So we pray for the strength to do so. You can put your hands down. Maybe you're, you're far from God or maybe you've never accepted Him as Lord and Savior and you're saying, you know, I, I can see that God wants to do things in my life, but I don't know Him yet. If you're here tonight and you're saying, I want to receive Jesus, would you just lift a hand? You never said yes to Him before, but maybe tonight is your night. Okay? Okay? You put your hands down. We're going to pray this prayer and, and all of us can pray this, but especially for those who are praying this for the very first time. It's our year of harvest. Jesus wants to bring you home to himself. And here's our prayer. Although I'll say the words, you add the heart. And here's our prayer. Heavenly Father, thank you for Jesus. Thank you that you came, died for my sins, and rose from the grave to give me eternal life. I believe in you. I put my trust in you. Lead my life and help me to be a walking miracle for you. In Jesus' name I pray. And we all said amen, amen. Can we just congratulate those that said yes to Jesus tonight? It's the best decision you will ever make. And if you did say yes to Jesus, please tell someone. And then at the back, we have some, uh, we call it a yes packet. It's a Bible with some reading material. It will help you with your walk with Jesus. And don't be ashamed. We live in a world where we do things that are, we are ashamed of. This is the one thing we should never be ashamed of because this is the only hope the world has. And that's life with Christ. You don't need to be weird about it. Just live for him. Look for those little things and obey him. Pastor Ben and Bunny are going to close us. Can you just welcome them tonight?
1: Thank you, Pastor Pastor. Sheldon. Wasn't that amazing? You know, I've heard that story so often, and this just gave me a different perspective. You know, the whole seeing ourselves as the jars that God gets to fill, and the miracle happens when we are obedient to him. I liked how...
0: Jesus is the miracle maker, but I can also be the miracle breaker. Sometimes we can get in the way
1: of God's miracles. So That's right. So tonight, as we close and we conclude this evening, why don't we stand? Because we are going to praise and worship our good, good Father. And, you know, as we go, it may be tonight, maybe be sometime this week, but I would just like to encourage you to take some time out and reflect. Maybe there is something that Jesus is asking of you. You know, maybe there's something that God is asking that we need to just step out in that faith and just do it. because there's a miracle that is about to be performed in your life. Because he's such a good God and he wants to fill you. He wants to fill us and we want to be people that are faithful. We want to be people that trust him. And so can we be that? Can we spend some time with him and ask him, Lord... I know you're asking me to do something, and I'm going to step out in faith, and I'm going to trust you because I know there is a miracle that is about to happen because he is a good father. Amen? Amen. Amen.